forgiveness, the executive team will thwart innovation in the company because people will be scared to try new things if there's not a culture of forgiveness. It's fascinating. So I asked him, I said, man, are you a believer? Are you a Christian? I'm, I, I, uh, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm curious, Fred, has that impacted your work? He said, I am. I'm actually a Christian. I said, he said, I don't, I don't go into these boards and tell people that. I said, man, I think it's awesome. You're going in subversively to these top, you know, Forbes 100 companies and basically looking leaders in the eye and saying, your character matters. Your character matters. He found that the performance of companies that are led by people of character outperforms the companies that are led by people without character. That's a secular leadership. Um, us Christians have been saying character matters for a long time. Character matters. See, this, this is another one. You've, you've heard, of, you've for sure heard of this one. Um, I mean, if you, in the, in the uh, early 2000s, if you wanted to impress anyone at the, at the table, you would just say, I just think we need to get the flywheel going and get uh, everyone on the right bus. And the, Jim Collins did a great. So you just, you learn the right buzzword. Well, Collins, who doesn't, um, I, I don't believe confesses himself to be a believer, but he finds through his research that. The greatest leaders are what he calls level five leaders, who are leaders who serve people, who their greatest mission is the mission of the organization. It's not their own personal agenda. They sacrifice their own personal agenda for the greater good. I mean, who should be best at that but believers? I mean, no one should be able to get that better than we do. Do you, do you agree with that? And we should understand servant leadership and putting others ahead of ourselves more than anybody anybody else. Um, this, this one was a fascinating one. A lot of research done by this guy from Harvard, Daniel Bowman, uh, Primal Leadership. Basically, it's about emotional intelligence. You've heard of emotional intelligence. And so in recent years, there's been a lot of conversation about emotional intelligence. If, if you hire people, you've learned that. Someone can be really, really good in their... Um, intelligent quotient, their IQ, but yet if they have horrible people skills, it, it really won't matter that much. I mean, Google famously for years hired only smart people and then did post-research and found out that actually the people who got things done were folks who could build teams and could collaborate and had the soft skills, not just the hard skills of intelligence. And so Daniel Goldman does this research on emotional intelligence. And so Here's what he says emotional intelligence is. I mean, when I read the book, I'm like, he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Leaders who have that are the better leaders, which means to me, the best leaders in your company should be the people who are owned by Jesus because we have the Holy Spirit of God who gives us that fruit, the fruit that a secular theorist discovers and says, this makes people the best leaders. We, we have it. We don't have to make it up for ourselves. If I'm connected to Christ, the vine, he breathes into me that fruit of love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, chose to self-control. The, the last one, I use this a lot when I would speak at uh, non-Christian things to leaders, um, called the Leadership Code, which uh, this guy, Dave Woolrich, spent some time with him on the phone as well, great guy. And he basically says, hey, there's five things all great leaders do, and one of those things is that they care about other people's development. He calls it being a human capital developer. Human capital, not, not just financial capital, but human 
in a human capital development. It's that's discipleship. To look at other people and to pass the faith on to them. To care for others, not just the bottom line of the company, but to develop the people that you're responsible for. So here's my point. Here's what we have in all of these leadership books. We have quote-unquote secular leadership books that have found that the greatest leaders do the things that us Christians have believed for the last 2,000 years. And so faith work integration wouldn't mean that you view the faith as I come to church and I, I check the faith off, and if I do that, then God's going to help me in my business. And so that there's this false line between your church life or your faith life and then your, your work life. And then and maybe you think, if I come here and I, and I volunteer and if I give, I, if I do some things, that God's going to you know, throw some blessing over the line and hook me up in this part of my life. But that's the wrong way to view it. The right way to view it is that your faith, your faith really impacts both your church life and your business life. Christ impacts your business. Christ impacts your workplace. Christ impacts your entrepreneurship. Christ impacts your plans to spin off. Christ impacts your plans to acquire. He impacts all of those things. So here's what I've found from, from men who are truly integrated and view work as an expression of their faith. There's two things I, I have here. It, frees you and it fuels you. Here's how being a Christ-centered man, and a Christ-centered man will be a man who understands the gospel. Who understands that you are not approved by what you do, but you're approved by what Christ has done for you on the cross. So this frees you. And this is why it frees you. The gospel frees you. The good news of Jesus on the cross, it frees you. To actually be aggressive in your business. To be aggressive as an entrepreneur. Why? Because your identity doesn't come if it works or doesn't work. Your identity's already been secured by what Christ has done for you. So someone who is finding their identity in how much they raise in Series A funding. Or someone who's finding their identity in if, if the sales exceed the burn rate. Or if someone's finding their identity in if they've moved up the corporate ladder, then it's going to actually cause them to, to, to play it safe or to, um, to go home demoralized if the day didn't happen like it was supposed to happen. But if you realize all of my identity has already been secured by what Christ has done for me, then, then I'm, able to, I'm able to play here and not find my identity here. Because Christ has already approved me. I'm approved not because of this, but because of what Christ has done on the cross for me. So it frees you, number one, and then it, it fuels you. It fuels you to serve people the way Christ has served you. It fuels you to view your employees and people on your team. Not as pawns that you can move around, but as image bearers of God that you should treat with respect and honor and dignity. It, it fuels you to, to care for the people that you work alongside. 
in whatever industry you're in because you realize that Christ cares for them and Christ has cared for you. So being a Christ-centered man, it actually, it frees you up and it, and it fuels you. It's, it's a way better way to live. Instead of the faith being this one box that you have, this is a way better way to live. So every time you get up, you're supposed to have it in your mind. This is what they tell you when you're a preacher. Are you trying to inspire people? Or are you trying to um, help people? Or are you trying to free people? What, what's your goal? My goal today is I just want to help you think Christianly about your life. I don't want you to think about your life as a list that we're going to keep fighting with your list when you come to church here for Christ to move up it. But for you to think about your life as Christ is your list, He is the center. And when you keep Him at the center, He's going to breathe meaning and significance into every other part of your life. Work is better for you when Christ is at the center. Marriage is better for you when Christ is at the center. Your hobbies are better for you when Christ is at the center. It's all better for you when Christ is at the center. So let me pray for you, man. God, thank you so much for the men of mirrors. And Lord, I know that we are hit up on every side to take you off the center of our lives. And it would only be your grace today if, if we would walk out of here committed to you being at the center. But Lord, we want, we want you to be at the center. We know that that is where you belong. On the throne of our hearts. On the throne of our hearts, God. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want you to think of this. Christ in Scripture is called the cornerstone. Cornerstone. Which means that when a building is built, my dad's a civil engineer, he told me, he's here with me today, he told me that. When a building is built, the cornerstone is what goes in first, which what should go in first, and everything else is built around there. So Christ is the cornerstone to me. He's the, he's the big rock you put in first in your life. He's the cornerstone. He's, he's what's there first. The scripture says that in Ephesians 2, that Christ is the cornerstone of our faith. So would you confess to Jesus as we sing here in a moment? Jesus, you are the cornerstone, and I want you to be the cornerstone of my life. I don't want you to be just this section of my life. I want you to be the cornerstone of my life. Jesus, you deserve to be the cornerstone of my life. You are worthy to be the cornerstone of my life. And when you're not the cornerstone of my life, things don't work as they should. The building doesn't work as it should. My life doesn't Help yourself in my life. Take it over. Reclaim your spot as the cornerstone of my heart. And it's, it, it's his gracious invitation to you today. Him wanting to be your cornerstone is good. It's gracious. He's not, it's not a cruel request of Jesus. It is a gracious request of Jesus to be your cornerstone.
get the Lord's done with our lives, God. Amen.